Coming up on BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, it was a red-letter day for the boys in blue in a breakthrough victory over the U. With the win, the Cougs go to 2-0, and we're talking it up with Kalani and D'Angelo Mandel next. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. And now, your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hello and good evening once again, Cougar Nation. We welcome you inside Studio C, our traditional home at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo. We're back in Studio C for another edition of BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, your weekly hour of Cougar football power. We have a full house in the building with us tonight to, to look back on a big, yes, let's hear it, a big win over Utah and look ahead to a top 25 showdown this weekend with Arizona State. All right, coming up on this evening's broadcast, we will indeed recap arguably the greatest weekend in BYU sports history, including Saturday night's win at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Jerem Jordan goes inside the film room with Gunnar Romney. We'll go deep blue with DB, Chaz Ayu, and corner D'Angelo Mandel will join us in studio. But to really get the show started, Let's bring in the head coach of the Cougars, the former BYU fullback himself, the man with all the moves, Kalani Sitake. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that, that boosted my self-esteem. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Thank you. Love all of you guys, man. That, uh, love all the fans. It's just uh, really happy that we got that win. And um, it's Tuesday, so we've already the team's already moved on. But uh, for the show, we'll, we'll definitely relive it a little bit. Um, but I had some fans tell me that um, be before the season that all they cared about was the Utah game. <laughs> They don't care about anything else, and I hope that wasn't true. So <laughs> we're hoping to see, see everybody back in Lavelle Edwards Stadium this, this Saturday night. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I get the sense that, uh, that, that we're still going to fill some more Lavelle Edwards Stadium uh, uh, games this year. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be oh, fun. yeah, we, we need the fans. Um, um, you guys were a difference maker. I, I think uh, if you look at, at the way the game went, the energy, that, that all came from, you know, the, the, the students, the rock, the the fans and there's a lot of lot of excitement in the air and and it fed fed our players so we need you guys we we're all in this together right so we need everyone to we need a basically basically all hands on deck we got to go we uh yeah We'll get to the highlights here in a second which will culminate with that great field storming and uh on the radio once the fans started coming out of the stands onto the field the, the 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 swell of noise was so loud. I just didn't talk for like a minute, minute and a half, and just let the crowd noise carry the airwaves for for a while. It sounded amazing. And it was. I mean, I didn't know that Cougar fans could run that fast. <laughs> and it was. It just came quick. And um, that's probably the fastest uh, fans fan uh, storming of the field I've seen by fans. And it was a little scary at times because. <laughs> It wore me out, and everyone just came and just started. I mean, I loved it. 
I, I, I'm going to count that as, as probably 5,000 hugs that I had <laughs> in, in that game. But it, that was a lot of fun. And then I needed help to get out of there. It, but it was, it, was so, it was so awesome. And, and um, just, just love those moments. And I think last show we, we talked about memories and things like that. And, mm -hmm. and I'm just glad that that, that that dream came true for me as a coach. That was, that was a spectacular night. And, um, looking forward to, to having more of those, but that yeah. was unbelievable. Uh, there, there was a question on last week's show, and the question was, what are your favorite BYU-Utah memories as a fan, as a player, and as a coach? And Kalani's answer, I want to get this right, he said as a fan, he said it was the Steve Young days, the Robbie Bosco days, I think he said those were the main ones. And he said as a player, it was Lavelle's last game in 2000. And he said as a coach, he said this upcoming Saturday, which was this past Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of turned out to be that way. It did, yeah. It was a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of great things happened that night. And um, just, just really excited to keep building on it. All right, let's get to it. Let's walk back through some of the highlights from BYU and Utah on Saturday night. The 95th renewal of the BYU-Utah rivalry. Yes, it had been a while since like BYU beaten the Utes, but what a great way to get this one going, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we, I think we talked about it last week, too, that, we, that the turnovers... Uh, we need to create some on defense. It, I think all the focus was on the offense, uh, turning the ball over. But I'm glad that we were able to create two turnovers early in the, in the game and um, help get the excitement going. You know, I, I know A-Rod and the offense wish they would have taken more advantage of that. I think we only got three points from that, but that's okay. Uh, we just keep rolling and we play uh, as, as a team. So th there was no issues with the offense and defense and special teams. They, were, they had each other's backs. Yeah, the important thing was BYU opened out on top, and when the Cougars score first, excellent record in the Kalani Sitake era. We go to some second quarter highlights. This is a fourth and 11, I think, Kalani. Yeah, I just felt like it was a good good time to go for it. Just felt right. And so, um, just glad that I was right on that one. <laughs> yeah, Lavelle Spirit gave us some guidance on that, and then Neil had a great catch, and and very similar to the Arizona game, just put the ball out there. Yeah. We need to start getting his whole body into the end zone <laughs> and work on that because so it's a little he, too close. He is getting good at the whole pylon thing. He had the opposite pylon in Vegas and then uh, the near pylon in Provo. Uh, Utah did answer in this one. BYU took a 10-0 lead, but the Utes uh, did answer. Uh, Mike Bernard, you see there, had a really nice run. And then the Utes did get into the end zone with their uh, fine tight end, Brant Keithy. It's a one-score game at 10-7 at that point. Yeah, I just had to take a risk, and it, it cost us. And but you know, on fourth down, our guys were able to, to bounce back and you know get get a, a stop and then get the ball back to our offense. That was a fourth and two stop, left BYU 93 yards away. But before halftime, a great drive is put together using almost the whole clock before halftime. This is a big play to put you in first and goal. Yeah, I just I mean, Jaron and, and and the O line just created so much time for him and. That's against a really good defense and a really good defensive line. And, um, and then the throw to Samson, which was great, you know, but the, uh, if you guys know Samson and Puka and their family story, I think, uh, I think you can kind of forgive them for the penalty, but that's the one freebie we're going to give them. <laughs> that's the so one we they go, get. We go to the third quarter, and Nysa had an excellent game up the middle. We saw the Utes not get points on a fourth and two stop deep inside BYU territory and another chance to score points that goes begging. No points on long field goal track. Yeah, the, the TFL caught, made it a, a, a further field goal. Uh, better chance for a miss for us and, and it just it worked out. And Jaron can do things, he can do things, things with his legs. I mean, he's really explosive and, and uh, athletic and has tons of speed. He set BYU up for this play, finds Gunnar Romney. This ends up being the game winning touchdown. It puts BYU up by a score of 23 to 7 
at that point. Utah would answer. We go to the fourth quarter. But BYU's defense has stood tall all night. Keenan Peely's had an excellent start to the season, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think uh, Coach Kloon has done a great job with that linebacking crew. And uh, You have to give a lot of credit to the D-line being able to open up some holes for Keenan to fill and Peyton to fill. So a Utah field goal makes it 23-10, and then Utah would score a touchdown on a Micah Bernard run. And it's back to a one-score game here at 23-17, which means you need one more score to make it a two-score game, and you get that. Kind of a PAT feel on the field goal from Jake Oldroy, but it makes it a nine-point game. And it came down to Utah having to make one more play to keep their hopes alive. And on this fourth down, a high throw to the sideline, one you didn't catch this time. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Max Hall's excited. And uh, BYU had the points they needed to win this thing by a score of, oh. But that's going to feel good, right? Oh, that felt great. That was, that was a warm ice bath. <laughs> and then, but and this is the, now that, that's how fast it felt like, right? Oh, yeah, it closed in real quick. And, and uh, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. You just, I could feel all the emotion from the fans, and it was, it was a beautiful moment. I was with Coach Tuiaki in the coordinator's corner yesterday. We were talking off the air. He said, once Kalani got back to the lock, he said, you were exhausted. Like, just I the post-game celebration took a lot out of you. Yeah, I was spent. And, and, <laughs> and um, yeah, I need to get in better shape before we're going to do that kind of stuff. But, but it, it was just uh, the emotions. And I think a lot of the fans felt like that. And uh, I'm grateful that rainstorm came because I felt like it just kind of got everybody a little bit, woke them up a little bit, you know. And, and um, man, it was, it was a great ending and, and a, a great, great week for all, all BYU. And it really was an emotional night uh, from start to finish. And, and whether it was you greeting The Rock uh, before you even got to the locker room or before or right here when you come out of the locker room down the tunnel and, and get to greet the, the fans in the end zone there, uh, you were feeling the good vibes all night long. And those good vibes continued into the game itself. And we talked about this play. This is kind of a fun moment early where, like, your old fullback instincts just kick in, right? <laughs> Yeah, I had, I had two or three more opportunities, but I thought it'd be wise not to make the game about me. <laughs> but, you know, it's great when your coach has these kind of hands, right? And then the mini high step. I'm just and, glad uh, everybody was safe and that I didn't sprain an ankle or anything on that. <laughs> and we see it again, how fun it is to be a head coach when you win a rivalry game. And then uh, one of the neatest moments of this entire night uh, came after everybody finally got back to the locker room and and, and there's a tradition after games and wins where you, you present a game ball uh, to somebody. Usually a player receives the game ball, but they flipped it around on, on you uh, this time. And let's, let's see how that went down after the win. We know, you know, Coach always teaches us to be humble, love our families. But for right now, we're going to go ahead and cherish Coach Kalani for all that he's done for us. He brought us into this program, made us the team that played out there today because of things that we learned off the field. So with that, Coach. Yeah, just, just love those boys. They're, they're, they're perfect to me, you know. And, and uh, I had a great conversation with, um, with Patty going to the weekend, and uh, just gave me a lot of confidence uh, for me to be myself. She reminded me, um, one of my last conversations with Lavelle before he passed was just to be, be your best self and don't be afraid to do it. And so. Um, I think that was the, the key for me to hear that from, for Patty to remind me of that. And uh, man, I, I'm a fan first. That, I was a fan before I was a BYU coach and a BYU player. And so uh, I'm, I think I, well, how I acted and how I behave as a head coach, I think a lot of the fans can, 
can understand and um, I'm just going to keep trying to do it. I, I, hope it. I hope it's okay with everybody. I think it is okay <laughs> with everybody. All right, let's look back at uh, some of the key numbers in this game. BYU does win it by a score of 26 to 17. The two teams aren't going to play uh, for a couple of years, so this is the last memory of the rivalry before a little break, and we'll do it again back in the year 2024. At least uh, that's the plan. And uh, among the numbers that, that, that jump out to Kalani, it's tough to run for 200-plus yards against a Utah defense. And, and Kyle Whittingham in his press conference yesterday said that by the second half, he said we, Utah, was getting pushed around a bit on defense, and that number kind of shows it right there. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's what, kind of what we wanted to build, you know, a, a program that's going to be uh, featuring a strong offense and defensive line, and, um, you know, we're going to try to be as physical as we can and, and try to play with great sportsmanship, And uh, but you can be physical and be aggressive and still have great sportsmanship, and uh, I think it was a great moment. And we want to test ourselves. Um, Utah brought the best out of us, you know, and, and some of the frustrations and the losses that we've had have taught us a lot of lessons and on who we are as a program now. And um, I, I think there's, that, there's a lot of compliments that can go out to our assistant coaches and to our, our players for the sacrifices that they've made to, to get them to this point now. But, but we're not done. You know, we've got to keep working and keep learning and keep loving each other and keep getting better and servicing um, others and, and thinking of others. And, and promote our brand and, and connect with our fans because I think that's going to matter the most. The player who presented you to that game ball after the game, Jaron Hall, uh, has made two starts this season following his two starts that he had in, in 2019. BYU 2-0 with uh, Jaron at quarterback, and he's had just a solid couple of first, uh, first couple of games. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over. Three more touchdown passes for him on the weekend, as, as we saw even more so against Utah. When it's time to make a play with his legs, he can take off. Coach Herm Edwards today, or this week, called him a wow guy. Like he can make wow plays for you. Yeah, and, and I, I think he's, he, he knows his capabilities, and we know it too. And I think we're still, we're still uh, at the beginning of it. So hopefully we, we can see uh, a lot of his other talents that he has. I mean, he can throw the ball too. And we, we've gone uh, you know, against some different defense that we weren't expecting against Arizona and then against Utah, really physical defense that that uh, hangs their hat on being physical up front, but also in the coverage, you know. So I think Jaron's done an amazing job as a leader and, and what we required him to do. And I think A-Rod and he, has, they've worked really well together, getting this offense together and getting him ready. And I'm just really proud of the way the guys played. And, and I think the, the difference maker for us was that he was able to create on his feet and, and break some big plays and make a big run, a couple big runs to extend the drives. I lost my mind on what would have been a touchdown call uh, down the sideline. It came back, and there wasn't really a review of it. I guess it looked pretty clean that he that he had stepped out, but he almost had a spectacular run down the boundary for a score, too. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the whistle blew, but you couldn't hear it. Yeah, the, the fans were just so no loud, and, yeah. and it could have saved him 40 more yards of running. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, you could see, you could see the speed um, that he had from there running all the way to the end zone. That's hard to do against a really fast defense like Utah has. Yeah, I mean, it's great that he hasn't uh, yet thrown a pick. It'll happen at some point. I think it does with every quarterback. But he's gone uh, uh, his first 104 career pass attempts without throwing a pick, and that's a, that's a record courtesy of at BYU Statsman on Twitter. That's a record for the longest INT free, uh, INT free streak. He is kind of a freak uh, to start a career uh, for any BYU QB. Uh, Zach Wilson, by the way, has the all-time record for most pass attempts without a pick at 184. Not that Jaron has to set that as a goal, but that's what Zach did, which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind him breaking that record. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be okay. So, I mean, he, he doesn't have to throw. You say that they do all the time, but he doesn't have to. We'll see. Yeah. But I, I want him to play free and, and, and be aggressive. But at the same time, I, I've been really, really proud of the way that he's handling uh, the decision-making, where to go with the ball and, 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 and what to do, when, when to run, and when to check plays. He's, he's done an amazing job with that. But you are right. If he goes his entire career without a pick, that's fine with us. Yeah, I'll be good with We're that. All right with that. <laughs> all right. Uh, defensively, I mentioned him a little bit, but uh, Keenan Peely uh, has had a tremendous start to his season. Uh, what can you say about uh, about Keenan and the way he's began the year? Just really active, um, you know, and he's physical. I mean, you have to remember he was a safety in high school, so he's got he's got great vision, great instincts, and I've just been really, really pleased with him in that middle linebacker position. and. I like all the backers. I think they do a great job, but um, it, we, we put him in a position where he has to cover sideline to sideline, and he does a great job at it. Keenan Peely, number 41 for BYU. And uh, one of a number of, again, we could pick any number of guys right now that are making standout plays on defense. It's a really deep group as well. Yeah, and, and he's, I mean, he, he'll be the first to give a lot of credit to the, to the D-line when you talk to him. Um, they, they know that, that it works together. They coverage the, 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 the front and, and the backers, and um, they know that it works together with the offense and special teams too, so I've just been really happy with him. He was elected captain for a reason, and, mm -hmm. and um, probably not the most outspoken person, but he, by his example, he does things right. He works hard and, and uh, puts in the extra time. A couple guys who are a little more outspoken are the Nakua brothers, and uh, Puka got his first, uh, his first action for you uh, in, in, in the Utah game, and he actually led your team in targets. Uh, he was targeted seven times in this game, came down with, uh, with four catches. What does he bring to the BYU offense? Well, I mean, you saw it. He, he can separate from, from a DB. Um, I think there was a couple times that it was deep shots, but, um, you know, maybe the ball's off target or someone grabbed a jersey or something. I don't know, but uh, he... he yeah, maybe, yeah. He's a great route runner and big target, and it was just, just good to have him in the game and be able to use him. Uh, Again, I think it was a wise decision by Fessy and A-Rod to hold him out of, of the Arizona game. And, and uh, we know, we're look, looking forward to seeing what he can do this weekend, too. But he, he, he and Samson, they, they bring a little bit of, um, they add to, the, to and complement what we already have in that, in that wide receiver core. We're going to have Gunner in the film room here in a second, but the fact that Gunner Romney was part of that receiver group Saturday was kind of surprising based on how things look maybe midweek. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's got... I mean, probably has that type of like Taysom Hill, Luke Staley recovery, um, Wolverine type of <laughs> genetics. But, um, you know, either that or, or it's like the, the old coach episode of just being on crutches and then shedding the, the crutches off and running on the field. Um, only the old timers know that, that show. <laughs> but I, I think uh, I just like uh, the way that he, he it's hard to go from being not practicing a couple days and then practicing later in the week and then being prepared to, to take on the field, especially against a great defense like Utah and, and Gunner. It just it wasn't even a, that much of a transition. It's, it's like he's been practicing the entire time. Uh, congrats, by the way, also on getting back in the polls. Uh, BYU number 23 in both the AP and the coaches' polls, and that brings in a ranked Arizona State team, which we'll get to in our next segment. But ranked versus ranked top 25 teams squaring off Saturday night. Pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and, and um, I mean, I'm just looking forward to our guys playing at, at, at their level, you know, and I, I, I think Jaron will probably say it, a lot of the guys will say it, we can play better, and so why not do it this weekend? 
Well, the Utah win came the, the day after BYU accepted an invitation to join the Big 12 Conference in 2023. The football program was fully focused on the Utah game for sure, but Cougar Nation had its eyes on the P5 prize last Friday. The destination's down the road, but it's a well-earned reward that was actually decades in the making. Well, Tom, uh, I've heard some people call this the best week ever for BYU <laughs> Athletics. Uh, You've been around BYU Athletics for a long time. Where, where does it rank in terms of best weeks? Yeah, it, was, it was a great one. There's, there's some great games. I mean, there's some great weeks. So the best week probably is yet to come. And that was kind of your vibe, too. You know, you're not going to worry about that yet. But when that day comes, you hope to be in a position to excel in a great league that brings you in. Yeah, just happy for the opportunity. And I, I, I'm more than anything just really proud that um, it confirms. I, I just want to show off the great fans that we have. Um, and then the, the athletic department. I, I think it, it's a great compliment from the, the nation to, to say, hey, BYU belongs in this, in this P5 category with all the sports and with their fan base. And so I think it was nice to hear all the, all the, all the wonderful, whether it's um, Coach Gundy from Oklahoma State or other people that have um, basically given their, their opinions and this just confirming that we have a great fan base and I'm, I'm Really proud to be part of it. Yeah, a lot of folks in that league have kind of given BYU the stamp of approval. Like, yeah, it was a great call. We're getting a great program, and, and the fan base comes up quite a bit. Uh, how, what do you think it will mean with uh, recruiting efforts moving forward, being a P5 program to you? Well, I think it just gives us another, um, just gives recruits, they can't say, well, you're not a P5 as an excuse anymore, and then we get Puka and Samson the first time. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that's... I think we're in a situation now where we can really work that and, and there's no more excuses. And I've, I know that this is uh, further down the road in a couple of years from now, but um, the fan base is really energized right now because of it. Um, and if, if college football and college athletics, if they think they've seen something, they haven't seen anything yet, wait till you see how um, Cougar Nation takes over and, and shows up to all the sports like they do. They rep it everything, you know. So. Um, whether it's women's soccer, whatever sport it is, volleyball, basketball, all the sports, our fans will be there and support. Cougar Nation ready for the Big 12? Yeah. Before we take a break, uh, let's take a quick look at what is coming up, not two years ahead, but this year uh, for BYU. The 2021 schedule rolls on this weekend with, uh, with Arizona State. We see BYU 2-0 with a couple of Pac-12 wins. So uh, I, I think with a win this weekend, you would be honorary Pac-12 South champions, I think, at 3-0. Uh, at but no, uh, three straight Pac-12s to open up. And, uh, I mean, there are tough games up and down this schedule to the very end. Yeah, and, and, and everybody deserves our attention. Right now, it's all about Arizona State, and I know we have an entire uh, schedule, but we're focused on, on Herm Edwards and, and his crew coming to Provo, and, and that's, I liked our team and their focus last week, and, and we're trying to duplicate that same type of uh, mindset, and I've, so far right now on a Tuesday, I've been really, really happy with the way the players are working. Excellent. Fans, for your day-to-day -day Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan weekdays, noon Eastern, 10 Mountain on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, we'll look ahead to Saturday's matchup with the Sun Devils. This is BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by... 
Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. And by Smith's, fresh for everyone. <laughs> we are back for more BYU football with Kalani Sitake. Here's your game day broadcast schedule. BYU and ASU will have radio pregame starting at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time. That'll be on BYU Radio. BYU TV's countdown to kickoff will go one hour later. The game itself on ESPN, ASU at BYU, and then postgame for both TV and radio right after. Well, BYU and ASU meeting for the first time since 1998. Uh, that game was played at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU won 26-6 against the ranked Sun Devils. And Kalani, you played in that game. What yeah. are your recollections? I just remember one catch that I had that I wish I could have picked up my feet. A little almost bit more. went to the house. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I probably would have got tackled on the one or two yard line or something. But um, yeah, I, I just remember blocking a lot that game and, and having a lot of fun. I mean, the fans were crazy, and I think that was a day game, so it was a it was, it was a good moment. I remember. I don't remember every part of it, but I, I remember that game. And Ronnie Jenkins had like 170 rushing and another 40 receiving. He was huge that day. That's right. And BYU, I think, had a 26-0 lead until, I think, Arizona State scored at the end. But it was a, a comprehensive win for BYU for sure. All right, uh, this year's ASU team is off to a 2-0 start. Uh, two home wins over Southern Utah, UNLV. Uh, they come in ranked 19th in the AP poll. A couple thoughts about uh, Herm Edwards' team. Really athletic and tons of um, talent on that team. And, and you look at uh, offense, defense, special teams, they, they, they got it all. And, they're, they're older, and um, quarterbacks uh, seems like a veteran now to me. I remember when he was a young freshman. Now he's, he's out there making a lot of plays and, and um, complimented with a lot of great talent around him, you know, and a big athletic physical line. So it's going to be, a, a, you know, a tough matchup, but we're looking forward to it. I think it's, this could bring out the best in our, in our team and in our players, and I know they have our attention when we're looking at the film because it's really good film, the things that they're doing. Uh, that they did against Southern Utah and the things that they did against UNLV, really impressive. Our viewers see the numbers for the two starting quarterbacks, and Arizona's starter now in his third year is Jaden Daniels, and he's an excellent quarterback. He's got a decent passer rating, as we see there, but uh, he also uh, makes it happen with his legs. He ran for 120-plus against UNLV, and he's actually Arizona State's leading rusher right now, in addition to being their starting quarterback, who throws it pretty well. Yeah, really athletic and... and um got a strong arm so he, he's, he's played a lot of football and uh, like I say that they have a lot of talent on, on that team a lot of speed. So Jaden Daniels is the name to know at quarterback uh, running back they're going to probably have the lead back be a kid named Rashad White. Uh, White has four rushing touchdowns on the year already and he's averaging 5.3 yards per carry. That's a look at Rashad White. Uh, how does uh, ASU present the ground game? What kind of style would you say they are? Well, I mean, they'll be in the gun quite a bit, and they'll spread it out, but they also can use uh, two tight end formation sets like that you see right here, and, and they're not afraid to, to play some power football as well. So uh, they have, they can do a lot, they can do pretty much whatever they want. We just have to try to make them as much one-dimensional as we can, and we'll see how we match up against their run game. Defensively, uh, again, they haven't played any you know, powerhouses to start. In fact, I think they're one of only five top 25 teams yet to play a P5 game. So they played an FCS game and then played UNLV. But, uh, you know, in terms of points per game, uh, they're fifth nationally. Uh, they're fifth in the pass efficiency defense. So pretty solid on that side of the ball as well. Yeah, and, and uh, the defensive backfield, a lot of veterans there and just um, really 
really, really good ball skills, ball hawks back there, and, and they're not afraid to play some man coverage. They, they have a physical front up, uh, you know, with the D-line and the backers, and so um, we're excited for, for the game, and, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think uh, when you watch them on film, I'm not worried about their competition because you can see the athleticism and speed. Um, it, it's right there on film, and, and, and uh, it'll be a good matchup for us. We're excited. You mentioned how much you're going to need and want Cougar Nation to be out there Saturday night again. And, and Herm Edwards, in his press conference this week, said, you know, this is Arizona State's first road game. And, and going into Provo, he said you're playing two opponents. You're playing a great team, and you're playing the crowd and the noise and the atmosphere at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It means something. Oh, yeah, and it, 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 it's loud. I mean, it's deafening, and, and um, uh, the fans are, are crazy. I mean, just you could just hear uh, every moment. And we have smart fans, so, you know, when our offense is on the field, they, they cheer when we make plays, but then they quiet down so that we can get out there and, and uh, communicate as an offense. But they also know on defense they can be as loud as they want because we want to we create as much havoc as we can uh, for the offense, and especially with a, a quarterback that – that has tons of experience like this, we've got to find a way to disrupt him. So, <laughs> come on, fans, let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's head to break by telling you Mondays at 1 Eastern, we talk with the BYU football coordinators on the coordinator's corner with coaches Aaron Roderick, Elisa Tuiaki, and Ed Lamb. It's also on demand on the BYU TV app. After the break, we'll check in on our Cougars in the pros, and the coach takes your questions from social media. This is Lani Sitake presented by Intermountain Healthcare. Time for Cougars and the Pros. And one of our guys scored his first NFL touchdown in his first NFL game. That's the man in the middle, Tyson Williams, last night. Another had his first TD with his new team. That's Jamal Williams on the right. And then another guy had his first touchdown tosses of his NFL career, Zach Wilson on the left. And Kalani, Zach faced a ton of pressure start to finish and started slow, finished strong, and finished tough. And I think his entire team and everyone who watched the game and national observers all say, that's a real deal guy. He survived it all. He stayed confident, hung in there, and made some great plays under duress. Yeah, and he still leads his team, and, they, and, he, and he loves them. So he's, he's going to be just fine. You know, I, I know that um, you know, we don't want quarterbacks to get hit that much, but uh, he'll, he'll find a way, and he'll keep getting that team right. I think he has a great connection with his coach, too, and... Um, and his teammates have his back, so I, I look to seeing him doing some really good things. It's good to see Jamal and Tyson yeah. make some plays, and, and, um, and that, it's fun to watch our guys out there. Absolutely. Time now to hear from the playmakers about the plays they make. It's our weekly film room segment, and tonight, Jerem Jordan sits down with wide receiver and game winner, Gunnar Romney. Okay, Gunnar, uh, first off, what a game, what a week. How did you even play in this game after being on crutches against Arizona? You know, it's funny. I, I didn't think I was going to be able to play. I was even on crutches uh, up till Tuesday of last week. I, it was the first day I started walking. Um, but, you know, got my MRI back and everything was intact. So they pretty much just told me, you can deal with the pain and you're good to go. And so I wasn't going to miss this Utah game. So, you know, uh, did some rehab, hit it hard a couple hours every single day. And the progress was, was enough to where the coaches had confidence in me and I felt like I could, I could battle through the pain. You dealt with the pain, so the pain of the streak could go away. And you end up having the game-winning score here. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, your touchdown from four yards. Yeah, so here we go. It's a goal line play. We just had a big play to get us to this point. 
Um, so I'm right here in the slot on this backside, and you know my job is really to get into the quarterback's view. I see this this dropping linebacker right there, kind of just playing the hole. So I kind of settle up right there. I'm hoping I'm. I'm in Jaren's view, I'm hoping he can see me because there's a huge hole, but I don't want to go too far to get covered up by that backer. He finds me right in the back of the end zone, throws a dart. That's how we, how we drew it up. You know what's <laughs> funny about this play too is I was even texting Coach Roderick after the game. We've never hit this route on this certain play. Not even in practice, not one time in any other game. So when you make the catch here, what emotions are going through your, your body and your mind? Because the juice in the stadium was unbelievable all game, and now, boom, up to 23 points. Yeah, you know, I got to give a shout out to the fans. It was unreal energy in that stadium. It was, it was hard to even hear on the field. You couldn't hear anything. But that juice right here when I scored, that adrenaline, there's, there's really no words to describe it. Okay, then you're an excellent blocker, and we see this in Jaron Hall's run that nearly went the distance. He barely steps out, but you're on the edge, and you make a nice block here. Yeah, so I mean, uh, not to give too much, but it's, it's a zone read for Jaron right here. So um, he could either hand it off to Lopini or he could pull it. So really, my job is to, to block the corner to the outside. We're trying to create that outside lane. Um, and you know, my job is just a second level to seal that corner right here, too. And Jaron, you know, he's a great runner. He's a super athletic guy. He's able to make that cut and use his speed to really cut up the sideline. It's too bad he was, he was like an inch <laughs> he was like an inch on the line right here. Oh, I yeah. still thought he was a touchdown. I, I didn't see him step out, but the you know the film said different. What a win versus Utah, man. What was it like after the game as you guys celebrated? Not just beating Utah and ending the streak, but kind of getting into the Big 12 too. It was all a combination. Uh, it was it was such a crazy week for BYU football. You know, getting into the Big 12, um, ending that streak, beating Utah. But that, that celebration after the game was one of the craziest things I've ever been uh, I've ever been a part of. I, uh, I I was caught in the mosh pit for like <laughs> half an hour to an hour. Just um, and I'm just I'm just glad I was able to be a part of it this week. Arizona State, your kid from Arizona, another big game. What do you think uh, of the matchup coming up Saturday night and being a ranked team yourself? I think it's really cool. I mean, I grew up, I, I lived 15 minutes away from Arizona. I have tons of buddies that go there. Um, my high school head coach is actually their running backs coach right now, Coach Iguano, Sean Iguano. Um, so it's, it's personal, you know, I, I really want to go out and beat these guys. It's going to be a fun one. I'm excited, another Pac-12 matchup. So I'm just, you know, getting get my body healthy, get ready, and get at it. Okay, Gunner, appreciate the time, man. Good luck yes, Saturday. Sir, thank you, appreciate it. What a great game from Gunner, and what a great group of wide receivers that Gunner's a part of. Such a tough kid, and then, uh, you know, when, whenever you hear the doctor say, he, he was relieved because he heard the doctor say, well, all you, if you can handle the pain, then you can play. And he was like smiling, he's like, I can handle the pain. And um, he's a tough kid. I don't think, I don't think um, enough people can really appreciate how, how painful his, his injury was. And then for him to go out there and practice and play. And, um, you know, we're, we're hoping that it's not as painful this weekend, but he looks really good in practice right now. So I'm excited. Excellent. To social media questions now for the coach. Our first question coming in from Twitter. Devin says, once BYU joins the Big 12, will BYU focus more on recruiting Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, et cetera? Well, our, fo our focus is going to be on, on the LDS athlete first. And, and um, you know, and, and then we'll see what else we got in that area. Obviously, because we're going to be um, probably playing there in, in two years, maybe we'll take a look at it and see uh, what other um, football players are actually a good fit for BYU. There's, there's guys like Tyler Algier and others that, that live this lifestyle already and that this is where they want to be. It's important for us to get the, the news out and get the word out that this is a, a place where uh, someone with those standards and those morals could really, really uh, 
thrive and, and, and grow and get better. So um, it's more about us uh, being able to advertise it and, and get the word out to everyone. Next question coming in from Greg Rosenhan. What did the ref say to you after you caught the ball on the sideline on Saturday night? Well, there's a bunch of them over there, so I, I think there's a lot of uh, praise. And, and I was like, <laughs> I was feeling good. So, but I think that was coming from, probably from our coaches. And, and, and I, I, th but the, I mean, I don't think the refs really cared. I, they, they try to act, act like they don't get impressed by anything anymore. So <laughs> that's all right. I just like, I, I was just trying to have a lot of fun. And, and I felt really loose uh, going into this game. I felt great about the preparation. And uh, I, ho I hope I, I can do that again this weekend. Okay, do we have time for one more question? Let's see. Do we? Producer Hema, one more question. Let's do it. All right. Uh, what experiences have you had with people from the Big 12 Conference? I've had great conversations with people, specifically coaches in the conference that are really excited about us uh, from last week. And I mean, I, I can talk about it because, uh, you know, the players and the team are so focused on what we're doing this week. They were the same way last week. When, when I, I've mentioned before in the team meeting, I, I just confirmed that we're going to the Big 12 and the players are just like, okay, let's move on. We got to <laughs> go out and watch film and get, and get on this Utah game. And so the same mindset is going on right now where I, I think it, they're really excited for the fans and for everyone, but, but the players are focused on, on ASU. And, that, and, and I just love having that type of leadership, the, the type of um, mindset from our team. And it's been, it's been really cool for me as a head coach to watch where they're not really getting distracted. And so I'm not going to try to distract them anymore. It's okay for you guys to talk about it, but <laughs> let's just let, let the players stay focused and, and try to entertain, entertain us on Saturday. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, fans, for the social media questions as well. We invite you to watch Countdown to Kickoff as Dave, Blaine, David, and Spencer get you ready for BYU and Arizona State on Saturday night. Saturday, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Coming up next, our Deep Blue feature on Chaz Ayu. And corner, D'Angelo Mandel will be with us in studio as BYU football with Kalani Sitake continues. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake is brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical provider for BYU Athletics, and by Cascade Collision Repair, serious about perfection. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake. Well, the AU family history with BYU stretches over 50 years from Charlie all the way to Chaz. Here now, tonight's edition of Deep Blue, brought to you by Brady Industries, Simply Better. I'm here to dominate. You know, I don't like to leave any room for, for doubt. And so when I'm on the field, it's just a very intense, aggressive, in-your-face type of guy. He's there to win. And he always has been that way since he started football. We always need some leaders like that that just will push right to the very edge of almost being disrespectful. But um, I think it comes from a place of if we as a group of men know what another guy's goals are and aspirations, then it's appropriate to push. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, but you don't become a good football team without some discomfort. And then as soon as I'm off the field leaving the game, I'm right back into my show, just quiet. Just go right to my family and go home. So. Chaz, by nature, is a nurturer. He loves people. He loves that he's a champion for the underdog. Uh, always been like that. 
So we were both adopted, both me and my sister. People, they'll look at us and I'm just like, hey, our family's a mutt family, we accept any and all. I grew up in a, a dominant white community. But as he grew older, he started to realize, you know what, I'm, I'm adopted and I have another side where his biological father was black and his biological mother was, was Caucasian and trying to fit in into who he is. I wasn't really accepted by a certain group. You know, I was friends with them, but none of them would say, oh yeah, he's this or that, you know? So was, to me, it was kind of just, I could call myself a football player and they could say, oh yeah, that's my teammate. I play football with him. May 2020 for Mother's Day. I had felt it for a little while, it was a couple weeks. I just felt this intense spirit to needing to connect him with his birth mom and with his birth family so that he can figure out who he is and he can be comfortable with who he is. And she says, you know what? I really feel inspired that we need to give your biological mothers, both your mothers, a, uh, a Mother's Day gift. And I think that started opening up the way for him to be okay with who he is. And really, no matter where he comes from or who he comes from, he's loved. I think now for me, what I found is I can say with confidence that I, you know, I'm a half black, half white man that was raised by Polynesians. And I claim the Polynesian side as well, the Samoan and Hawaiian. It seems pretty simple to put it like that, but for so long, it didn't, never made any sense to me. And so with that discovery, you know, it came, brought a whole new confidence to who I am and something that I can back up and really claim myself. And I think that was the biggest thing, was just being able to claim myself for who I was instead of reaching out to find other areas that I could fit in. Struggling with his identity, trying to figure out who he is, and then mental health challenges with depression, anxiety, and ADHD. And then we have surgery, shoulder surgery. We have coming home from the mission. We have being falsely arrested. February 2020 was a life-changing event in his life got pulled over coming on the way home from church. He got arrested for DUI. It was public news, it hit all over. ESPN, every station, it was on the paper. Everyone knew about it, heard about it, found out about it. That one, that one really hurt because of, you know, being in my hometown community, playing for a religious school, and then you throw DUI on top of that, and it's like, nah, that's not a hometown hero. That's not a, that's not someone that we want to represent us, you know? I think for me, the biggest part of that was just being able to accept whether the reality was fair or not, what my reality was at the time. And having to sit behind it, can't say anything, can't expose nothing. You know, I just have to sit there and take it. Let people believe um, what was being spread on social media. And that really took a big hit on me mentally. District Attorney ended up throwing out everything. And there's zero evidence, no evidence at all. But it's too late. His name was already out there. He got judged one way or the other. You know, you automatically assume. It was a heavy burden. I remember him struggling one day. And he called me. He's like, Mom, I'm really struggling. I'm at work. I go into the bathroom and I say a prayer. Holy Father, you know this kid better than I do. He's your son. You've got to help me. You've got to help me help him. I'll listen, you just gotta tell me. And so the words that came to my mind were musubi and medicine. He hadn't been eating well. He was in this depression and this sadness and just all the burden that was placed on him. And, and I think that was one of the starts to getting the help that he needed and him being okay. Something clicked with him like, I'm not okay, I need help. 
Um, yeah, that arrest coupled with his surgeries and not being able to practice and managing his, his, his mental health um, with academics really put him in a dark space. That really, with, with all the social injustice that just continually to show up was a trigger for him. Watching him cry and I could tell there was so much anguish and suffering in him. I had no idea how dark and of a hole he was in, you know, um, to a point where the thoughts of suicide crossed his mind. You know, we'd have a different conversation right now if that were to take place. I don't know where I'd be if I lose my son or my daughter or anybody of that nature. I think a lot of people didn't know that he was in that the dark place. I think that's where a lot of people started to realize that maybe if we think outwardly a little bit more and try to not just assume that people are doing well because of football or because of uh, you know, school or whatever it is, that, that people will still struggle even though things look on the surface like they're doing, they're doing well. Like, you know, those last six months of 2020, I was just in the worst place I've been ever in my life. And, you know, thank God that I have a family and the support that they were able to give me. And looking back at it, I'm beyond grateful for what I've gone through in this last year and a half as it's built my character, it's, it's built everything in me. I feel resilient to anything now, anything that's placed in front of me. I love you, son. I just think the world of you. I'm very honored to be your father, son. You keep going, you keep trying, you keep persevering, you keep loving and being kind to people because you will be able to help the people that God needs you to help. I live my life a lot of times through you and the things that you do. And I don't think you recognize um, all the goodness, all the good that you bring. And we'll be here 100% all along the way. Love you, Chaz. All right, Deep Blue on Chaz Ayu. Well, D'Angelo Mandel's journey to becoming a starting corner in the BYU secondary was not a nonstop express trip. In fact, it featured a U-turn early in his Cougar career, but since his return, it's been full speed ahead. Please welcome into Studio C, D'Angelo Mandel. First up, you both got to see the end of that uh, story on Chaz. You've got him as a teammate. You've got him as a player you coach. What are your thoughts on, on Chaz? Uh... I don't know if you guys know this, but I used to live with Chaz. So seeing that story, the, I know how, like, how much that really meant to him and his mom and his dad, Auntie Joe. You know, um, seeing that, just seeing what he went through and how he persevered through it and seeing what he's doing now is just amazing. Yeah, just, just really thankful that, uh, that Chaz is on our team and that he, you know, that he brings his, his uh, unique talents and helps people and, and he's helped me as a, as a head coach he's helped me as a person you can see the influence that he's he has on his family and how much influence they have on us too and so it's an honor to be his coach and I know he's really close with D'Lo too so uh, just really thankful that he's on our, on our in our program and on our team. D'Angelo I mentioned uh, your journey here at BYU mm -hmm. you signed with BYU back in 2017 and later that year you left BYU for a while before you came back. What's, what do you say about that time in your life where it felt right to start and then it didn't feel like it was what you needed to do, and then in the end, you came back? 
<sighs> that was a wild time. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing, honestly, just to not get too crazy into it, but I just wasn't ready at the time. It's, at first I thought it was, oh, I just didn't like Provo, I didn't like the school, the people, but obviously I came back and I'm here and nothing has changed, it's still the same thing. So it was just me then, I wasn't ready to be here. And obviously I came back and I was ready to go. And I remember when you signed, you signed with one last name, which was a different last name. You're now Mandel, but you weren't that. That's been a part of the, uh, of the progression too, right? Yeah, um, obviously, if you guys didn't know, I was Gunter first. And a lot of things just didn't go great at home, so I ended up moving in with a family friend, and I've been with them ever since, and we just decided that it should make me, make me part of their family. Changed my last name. What has BYU meant to you over the years? Whew, that is a, a loaded question. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think being here at BYU has taught me a lot about patience and perseverance. Um, I've always been a hard worker, but I didn't always realize that just because you're working hard, things aren't going to happen right away. You got to keep pushing and keep building the same habits over and over again, and eventually things will come. What has it meant to you to have D'Lo on your team? This is my guy. So, um, <laughs> We've had some great conversations, some good private moments, and uh, just really proud of him. I, I hope he knows that. And, um, not trying to get too emotional, but he, he's, he's overcome a lot. He was a, a deep blue for us as well, I think last year. And so he's got a great story, and uh, he belongs here. And I'm glad that uh, BYU allowed me to bring him here and be part of our program and the things that he brings to our family as well. So. Uh, you know, we've had an impact on him, but he's had one on, on us as well. And he's embraced all of BYU when it's a, what it was about. He, when he went away, he came back driven and ready to go. And he's always worked hard, but um, we're, we're starting to see some really good things from him. Um, but it's not just on the field. It, it's everywhere, and I'm really proud of him. On the field, and I wish we had a ton more time for you, D'Lo, but you, being, being 2-0 and <laughs> and beating Utah and having a ranked Arizona State team coming in this Saturday, the start of the season for you and the boys, how's it been? It's been good. We, uh, <laughs> it's definitely been good, but it's been a lot of hard work, though. Not a lot, of, a lot of people see that. And honestly, I think the biggest thing, I don't know if you guys, if you guys watching the game, if you see Samson and Puka, and they got this energy during <laughs> the game, and it's just so contagious, and just play with it throughout the whole team. And I think that's the biggest thing that's been going on is the energy that keeps us going. Because obviously these games are, are going to be a little tough and a fight, but when you got the energy to keep pushing, it makes things a lot easier. I'm glad you made time in your night to swing in and join us tonight. I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. All right, that is D'Angelo Mandel. All right. Serious about protection. Jake Oldroyd has tied the BYU record for consecutive field goals made. Whose record did he tie? The answer next. Welcome back to BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, presented by Intermountain Healthcare. Tonight's trivia question, presented by Cascade Collision Repair, serious about perfection. There's your question. So whose record has Jake Oldroyd tied? The answer there is Owen Pochman, 15 straight field goals in 1999, and Jake has tied that mark. All right, since we have about 40 seconds, maybe 30 seconds left, a little bit from Kalani, a little bit from D'Lo on the Sun Devils Saturday. Kalani, go. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're... we're, we're Banking on having the support of the fans and, th and them making a difference for us again. D'Lo? Looking forward to seeing that. They didn't again and the boys getting after it. All right. 
Get after it, Cougar Nation. Saturday night, BYU and Arizona State. For Kalani and for D'Angelo Mandel, I'm Joe Have a great week. Go Cougs!